0: Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I am David. End of introduction. It's just me. <laughs> I'm going to try doing this on my own. Uh there's a chance you're not hearing this because I was weirded out and gave up. But now Tyler uh is on safari and he's it's going to be as we talked about a long time before we could do another episode uh again together. Uh and I did not want to build up uh <laughs> uh you know a month and a half worth of movies without any any release. Uh so I'm going to try this i'm gonna try doing a couple of these while tyler is is away and 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 we'll see how it goes uh it had already been too long uh and i i, I tell you that because uh i'm gonna be talking about movies i remember very little about but maybe that'll make this go faster and i can get done with this uh <laughs> i'm gonna start I, I i watched uh jonas carpignano's a chiara which means two chiara in italian um and, uh, this is a part of the, um, I don't know when it's coming out, uh, but it was, um, in the, uh, the little book of, uh, uh, award screeners I got from Neon. Uh, they send out screeners every year and this one, uh, was, uh, I guess they were pushing it for foreign film. Uh, but, uh, I don't know when it's actually coming out in the U S. Um, so maybe this is the last you'll hear of it but uh akiara is the story of a uh the daughter of a mid-level uh mafioso in italy um and the process of her kind of uh realizing that that's who her father is a father that she's very close to um and uh it kind of gave me some uh it's less comedic but um some of the vibes of like uh season 1 AJ Soprano like cuz she also has an older sister the AJ uh had an older sister who was more clued in to to what's going on and and you see uh this um this this process of this uh uh girl re-centering herself in her own family and and her own idea of of her father but it's also a great story about a teenage girl, a great, uh, um, it very much captures that sort of headstrong know it allness that people at that age, um, have. And so, uh, and, and that tendency to see something happening in the world as something that's happening to her, uh, and um so uh that's a a strange place to be in when you're like the story you know her father has to like literally hide out because of rival family has a bounty on his head or whatever and she's got this attitude of i can't believe this is happening to me uh that makes it sound funnier than it is it's actually um very uh uh beautiful and um intuitive filmmaking there's also some elements of gets into some psychological horror uh type stuff quite good um but yeah keep an eye out for it i don't know when you'll be able to see it if you uh live in america i know when you can see Zack snyder's army of the dead which is right now on netflix if you want but uh don't bother it's a, a it's not it's a it, it's it's two and a half hours that is completely not worth a quarter of that it's not aggressively bad um but uh i I wanted to like i you know i kind of uh not been kind to Zack snyder's films over the years and and i i know that he has some defenders um well yeah that's that's a fucking understatement um he has some psychotic defenders but i meant among people that i uh whose opinions i value i know that he has some defenders um and so i guess i wanted to check in with him but i didn't want to have to like watch a four-hour movie that's part of the franchise this is a merely two and a half hour movie that is uh well i was going to say standalone but there's already a prequel um called army of thieves that he didn't direct but um yeah, it's uh it's just a big dumb movie that has, you know, maybe a little bit of style, but not enough to justify um uh its itself and its and its length. Um it's got running zombies, uh which obviously Zack Snyder has been there before and with better results. Uh, it's got sort of you know, it's got this, like, uh, emotional arc at the center that is not nearly as effective as I think he thinks it is. Because it's a pretty standard action movie trope to have the big, like, strong guy just trying to have a uh, relationship with his kid. That's that's uh, that's not new. Uh, yeah, can't say that I recommend it. So I'll move on. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, you're gonna have to like hear me drinking water at uh, at certain points because I don't have <laughs> I don't have Tyler to throw to uh to vamp while I take a drink of water. Um, so uh, hold on, sec Moving on to Stanley Nelson's Attica. Stanley Nelson and Tracy Curry's Attica. I'd seen some Stanley Nelson films before. Um, the the, the Black Panthers uh, film is the one that sticks out. I feel like I might have seen uh, another one, but um, he makes really uh, effective historical, um, recent historical documentaries and uh, Attica is a documentary about the Attica prison rebellion, uprising, uh, revolt. And it is told uh, I, I don't know if this is Stanley Nelson's choice or if no one um, from like the prison administration or the governor's office wanted to to be involved but um, he has the his interviewees are almost entirely the prisoners or the family of a guard um, and uh, so the movie makes no uh it, it leaves uh, no question as to which side it's on it's on the the side of of the prisoners um, and uh that makes it all the more stirring uh, and truly shocking um i you know these uh to me things i said recent history but they still happened before i was born and therefore I will. It's the kind of thing that I'm able to read about, that I know about. Um, but Stanley Nelson does a good job of making you feel how uh, uh, how electric that this was. Um, the the reasons that it happened, and how completely unforgivably shocking it is that the way that it uh was resolved um which is a it was that, that's too kind a word uh but uh I, I guess i won't spoil it for people who haven't read uh, uh, about attica but um it's a pretty fantastic and memorable document of uh, of uh of the event moving on to philip barantini's boiling point uh, I watch this mostly because I like Stephen Graham a lot. Um, and this is a movie in which he plays a uh, uh, a chef at a, uh, uh, a buzzy sort of fine dining r- restaurant. And the movie is one of those all-in-one-take movies. Um, although it's not in real time. It actually does some kind of clever things to uh to show that the evening is passing it's all, all takes place in one night at, at at the restaurant it does some clever things where like you know they haven't opened for dinner service yet and so the uh you know someone's like setting up the people are setting up the silverware and and uh the they're out like having a pre-staff meeting and then like you go into the follow into the kitchen and he has a scene with Sue chef the dishwasher or whatever and and then you come back out and the restaurant is like bustling and full of people and that, that like those sort of things to show the passage of time um that's that's interesting but um really it feels like the the movie is at its best when it's just kind of documentary style detailing the uh hectic but well-oiled machine that a um restaurant kitchen is and and the the behind the scenes for the kitchen and just getting through the night but um it has to add all these things that i think like oh this one's got a drinking problem and this like pastry chef is going through to the like well it, it it seems to impose a lot of like uh kind of um recognizable and uh unoriginal sort of dramatic uh wrinkles onto was already pretty interesting just as a uh a dramatization of of a pretty fascinating process so i can't really recommend that um next up i uh natalie and i watched byron howard and jared bush's encanto and uh i liked it um as far as Animated Disney releases from 2021. I still prefer Luca, but uh, Encanto is very uh, pretty and 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 fun and and funny. There's a lot of funny stuff uh, in it. I I can't spend too long on Encanto. You, everybody knows about it. Um, it may or may not have just won an Oscar. I'd, I've already forgotten. <laughs> I do that. We spend months every year leading up to the Oscars, especially when they're at the end of fucking March this year. It's, it's like, uh, you know, who's, who's, who's going to win? You know, who's, uh, who's surging in the standings and the, you know, who's, who's trending, who's got the momentum. And then two days after they air, I barely remember a single thing that, that happened. What I do remember is the first Adrian Lyon film in 20 years, Deep Water, direct, uh, starring, Ben Affleck and Anadarmus. Um, Adrian Lyon hasn't made a movie since Unfaithful, which is a movie that I love and that I know Tyler, the abs- absent co-host Tyler also loves. Uh, and Deepwater uh, is a fantastic follow-up. I really um, got on its wavelength very quickly. Um, I uh, uh, Armas is, it, I mean, it kind of feels like and. Old fashioned, uh, like a a throwback. I know a lot of people are saying, like, oh, it's a return of the erotic thriller, and it does kind of have some of this, like, we don't see movies as much like this with big stars, you know, um, getting uh, mildly kinky. Um, But it's also a throwback in the sense of the way that it, uh, I think, celebrates, potentially in a male gaze type of way, but celebrates. Um Anita Armas's uh essence and presence and she's gorgeous, yes, but um there are other reasons that she's so uh enthralling. And um yes, you could argue if you wanted to take this tack, you could argue that she's not that fleshed out a a character. And I, that's fine, but that's I don't think that's what the movie is trying to to do. Which again, you could have a problem with that too. Plenty of people do apparently. A lot of people apparently don't like this movie for some reason, Um, or maybe for all the reasons I just said. Listen to yourself, David. Um, But like trying not to say um, and I realize I literally need to say um to think, because otherwise I'm just thinking. Don't say um. Don't say um. uh so yeah she's um she's fantastic but ben affleck um this uh is is one of these latter day uh or maybe we'll be talking in years about this being a mid-career period because he's you know not exactly an old man at this point um he's a middle-aged guy uh but this is one of those roles where he has uh i think he's i think he's always been at his best as an actor when he's playing characters who have at least as many uh unflattering traits as flattering ones and uh vic here in deep water which is a movie about a man who um whose wife is kind of openly uh carrying on relationships with boyfriends and they don't have they're not uh, being intimate but they're still living together and raising their kid and and uh she's um cheating i guess is technically the word but it feels like it's a more uh involved thing than than that and more um it's got it's got more uh, wrinkles to it than that uh and so he's what i'm saying is he's uh, positioned as someone maybe a character of that you would feel sympathetic towards, that uh, look the way his wife does, but he's uh, almost immediately a creep in his in his own way. The first time he confronts one of the, the these boyfriends, he uh, doesn't exactly do so in like the noble hero uh, way, and, and and throughout he can be troubling and um, uh, possessive and and all these things. And it's uh, I it's a fantastic, beneficial performance, but Adrian Lyne. I just, uh, I mean, I guess I want artists to work at their own pace, but it sucks to not get movies like this more often uh, from him because he's he, he's he's such a sensitive director, um, uh, a fantastic director of actors. I don't just mean he gets good performance about them, but he I also mean he knows how to look at them with the w- with the camera when you know what is the best angle to catch um a little grimace or glance um or or um when to go in for a close-up be it on a person or on ben affleck's characters uh pet snails i don't know pet doesn't seem the right word for snails he has snails he keeps snails grows cultivates Me cultivates snails um, although that implies that he that they're for eating and he makes very clear these are not snails that you eat. Uh but uh yeah, there's um there's the, the, this movie is is built uh formally and aesthetically in a way that feels uh so right um and unforced at, at every every moment. I, it's absolutely one of the best movies of the year so far for me okay, going back in time like Lewis. Lewis uh i caught up with Tsai ming lang's nineteen ninety four vive l'amour uh and this movie is very much up my alley um it's recently been restored uh and you can find my review of the restoration of battleship dot com um it's a uh a, Taiwanese movie, like most of uh, Simon Lang's movies are, uh, about three different people who are lonely or sad in their own ways, but also in the ways that the movie suggests everyone kind of is. Uh, Who, through a certain series of events, all three of these people end up with a set of keys to an empty luxury apartment that they use to be themselves Conduct uh a, a lot of a lot of stuff a lot of yeah uh good companion piece with deep water a lot of uh sexual stuff some kinky stuff um and uh the that um the the contrast of these people's desperation in many ways um and their their need for human contact with their disdain for <laughs> human contact and their need to be alone. Um those 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 things meet in this uh in this space that's sort of in the middle of the city but it's its own space. It's a hermetically sealed um alternate universe, this this apartment. Um and uh they find themselves and they find each other or they don't find each other and they sneak around. There's an element of farce to the movie, which is, if you notice, I mean, Lang, it's not, that's not his, you know, cadence wise. That's not what he's really doing. He's not making a farce, uh, in, in the like fucking noises off way or whatever that we talked about. But, um, he, it's, there is a lot of like people sneaking in and out, you know, ships in the night and, and trying not to get caught, uh, Uh, in the in the apartment it's a it's a terrific bit of fun um like a lot of Simon Ling's movies it has long stretches with no dialogue but um that doesn't mean that it's uh in any way you know dull or slow because usually when there's no dialogue it means there's something there's some sex happening or something like that Okay, next movie. We're tearing through these, aren't we? Um, this is what... See, I get to... I, I make up more time. I don't have to throw it to Tyler. I going to see. Oh, Tyler, what did you watch? This is just, just the good stuff. All <laughs> I'll killer, no filler. Um, all right, uh, next up. Lucy Walker's Bring Your Own Brigade, which is... Um, it's an explainer documentary which is not my favorite mode but this is a pretty uh compelling one um uh it's about wildfires specifically i mean its focus is mostly on wildfires in california the the camp the was it 2018 the campfire and then the uh which was up north, northern California, and then the one, the Malibu fire, which is not called that. Wellesley fire. I can't remember what the two fires are, the name fires. Uh, and I, I don't remember which ones these are though, or which one the Malibu one was. Um, and it, it starts with being about the experience of the, the experience of the fire of the people who survived the fire. There's the campfire and in in the town of paradise uh there i i don't personally if i were trapped in my car unable to move because of all the cars that were literally on fire next to me and, and couldn't move um my impulse would not be to get out my phone and start recording but i'm grateful i guess that some people's that That is some people's impulse, because you get some pretty amazing uh, self-shot footage of, of these the, the people who did end up surviving, who did end up getting their cars out. And, and, and there's the this long sequence of the fire happening. It goes on for so long that I forgot that it was still the middle of the day when this was happening, because the sky is completely black. It looks like it's the middle of the night. And then they finally like get going, and they're driving with, with the cell phone, uh, the the phone video footage. Uh, and then they get past the smoke, and they just come out into this road in the blue sky. And it's uh it, that that shot is one of the uh, most amazing shots I've seen in any movie uh, in the past year or so. But um, so that's how it starts off. Then it goes on to sort of being, like I said, an explainer. A movie that breaks down why these wildfires are 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 happening. And the the obvious answer that so many of us point to and that Lucy Walker, the director, even says that she assumed is climate change. And she kinda gets like early on is like, yes, that's the drier climate is absolutely a factor. But she kind of moves on from that pretty quickly and gets into these larger things about uh, the way that the land is managed and uh, especially the difference between public land and private land and how those two things are uh, are managed. And she gets into the way that people live up against uh fire hazardous areas like not just that they live so close but like how they manage their property you know and what's uh uh, what's combustible that's close to their house and and, um uh what houses are made of like houses that survived in malibu and houses that didn't because of the not just the material but also the way they're made you know um that one guy talks about how he's his neighbor's house has like eaves, which is like a perfect place for like little, uh, embers to get up there and get the whole roof on fire in a matter of, of minutes. There's a, it's a pretty, um, yeah, like I said, it's a pretty compelling movie. Um, and it's the kind of documentary where you can say I learned a lot. It's not necessarily what I watch movies for, but it's not, um, something that I'm going to, uh, turned down not going to kick it out of bed um definitely also not going to kick out of bed uh i've talked about the a number of these movies um recently i i, I think this longer lead up until the Os- to the oscars gave me more time because i always try to use the time between the end of the year and the oscars to catch up on 2021 films i haven't seen and so because i had so much time sorry films from the previous year it's not Always 2021. You know what I mean. Um, anyway, because I had more time, I was able to kind of dig a little deeper. And, and as you probably heard me talk about on the Movie Journal, I um, watched some of these like direct, DTV, directed video type of movies. I talked about um, Hell Hath No Fury, and I talked about Sentinel. Uh, and I watched another uh, one called Castle Falls, directed by and co starring Dolph Lundgren. Um, the, uh main star of the movie is scott adkins who is like one of the you you probably already listen you listeners probably already know this because you're smarter than i am but he's one of the go-to guys for this uh this sort of realm of of, of movie making and uh yeah um castle falls did not disappoint as uh a it's just an action movie that delivers on on the the action and um doesn't insult you with the character and emotional parts it has them I think it builds them with an economy more economy I think this is the problem that one of the main problems I had with Army of the Dead is it's trying too hard to make it to to, to um, convince you of its emotional stakes whereas Castle Falls is like okay the, the the premise is that uh, Scott Adkins is a former MMA fighter who takes a job as a day laborer, uh, ripping copper and stuff out of this hospital, this abandoned hospital that's going to be knocked down. You know, he'll take everything worthwhile out. And he gets hired to to do that. Uh, meanwhile, Dolph Lundgren plays a prison guard who finds out from one of his through one of his prisoners that there is a whole lot of money stashed in this in this hospital. Um and uh another gang knows about it and Dolph Lundgren is like and, and uh is like, I'm gonna get it before this gang because my daughter is uh term as a uh, is very sick. Um and so you've basically got an a former MA guy, a prison guard, and then a bunch of gangsters all searching through a hospital to be the first an empty hospital to be the first to Find the money, and oh yeah, in ninety minutes it's gonna be demolished. Like it's literally already like wired to to blow. What a fantastic, uh, like so simple and so great a a premise, and uh, it doesn't disappoint. I mean, yeah, there's some corners cut uh, here and there in terms of 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 cost. There's literally a scene where a character gets the name of the hospital wrong. And I was like, I guess they didn't have time to do another take of that. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, you've got some hand to hand uh, and some gunplay and some uh, just, just really sturdy action. I'm really glad I watched uh, Castle Falls of the, of the, those other uh, DTV type movies that I mentioned, this is a good one. But they are good ones is what I meant. Uh, This is my favorite. Okay. Uh my next film that I'm going to be talking about is a German film called Wooden Water. In uh, which is about a woman um who is just retired, played by the director. The director is Jonas Bach and uh I wonder if we're related. b-a-k-b-a-x i wonder. Um Jonas Bach uh is the director his mother plays a woman who has just retired and um She's at her like uh, little modest little like cabin uh, in in the woods, uh, uh, and um, wants her family to come visit to celebrate her retirement. Her daughter daughters come at the last minute. Her son is like, I can't make it. Uh, doesn't really give any reasons why, and then kind of disappears. And so she, unbeknownst to him, who lives in Hong Kong, takes off to Hong Kong to go visit her son um and spends the rest of the movie kind of walking around hong kong he's not at his apartment apparently hasn't been in days um so she's just hanging around in hong kong waiting for her son to show up or 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 contact her um and uh i i I, the the thing that's really interesting is that she's in hong kong in like spring of 2019 when all of the protests about the extradition law were were happening and those protests are in in the film um and i think a lot of the movie is about um sort of perspective that like this is a huge thing that's happening she's obviously more concerned at the moment with her son and that uh you can't really blame her uh uh for that um and uh, but you also um maybe uh you can feel one of two ways about how she is at the beginning of the movie where she's like everything's good for me now um and just stopping because you can't just you can't just stop you have to keep doing what you're doing in a way like uh thematically i think this movie kind of Uh, is in conversation with uh, what do we see when we look at the sky which uh, made my my top 10 uh, movies of 2021 list it's a very different movie but um, that idea of just it's not always wrong to be focused on your personal shit just because there's uh, bigger things happening in the world your personal shit is big to you um, and it needs to be addressed. Uh, But like I said, it's a very different tone. It doesn't have much of the, it has some dry comedy, uh, not as much as what do we see when look at this guy, but um, it's a very still and quiet and and patient uh, movie. And um, also it's all over in uh, 80 minutes. Uh, Really good. Really like that. Um, Then I watched a new restoration of a 1978 film called Stunt Rock. Hold on. Stunt Rock is a movie about an Australian stuntman playing himself. Grant Page uh, is his name. Real stuntman. We see a lot of footage of him doing real stunts. Um, who comes to Los Angeles for work, but also visits his American cousin, who's a magician in a heavy metal band. <laughs> this band Sorcery, which was a real band uh, that played, you know, uh, proto heavy metal type music. Um, but ha- part of their stage show was two magicians <laughs> playing out a battle between Merlin and Satan and doing all those like big illusions, things disappear, and there's pyrotechnics and. Uh, uh uh, so so it's in one way it's a movie about a stuntman and we see him do stunts we see him like he's being interviewed for an article which makes the movie kind of turn into like a stealth documentary about stuntmen because he's talking at length about his experience and and what is entailed in 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 stunts and um we see a lot of clips uh from footage uh, clips from movies that he's been in, behind the scenes footage of him being lit on fire and jumping off of cliffs and shit like that. Uh he also does some actual stunts in the, the movie. He like uh does like a man on wire type of type of deal, sort of. Um and he gets hit by a car and he falls off of a water tower. It's the movie's just full of stunts. I think it like opens with like a jackass style disclaimer, like do not try this at home type of disclaimer. Um but uh so you're, I, what you're saying is, how is this movie about these two things? <laughs> uh, and it, 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 a lot of it does feel like it's just two different movies. There's just a, 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 a semi-fictional movie about a stuntman playing himself and essentially a, an extended concert film of, of this band, Sorcery. Uh, but like I mentioned, The Magician... Is Grant Page's American cousin? I don't think that's true in real life. I think that's a made-up thing for the movie. But um, they, so they hang out together. They uh, they meet chicks together, and uh, uh, eventually they uh, come up with a new. <laughs> they got to kick off a new trend <laughs> called stunt rock. Like I imagine they're envisioning multiple bands incorporating stunts into their live shows and it's going to be its own subgenre of 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 rock music um it's uh it's so ridiculous but it's also undeniably a good time um although it depends on your your tolerance for the music of sorcery because there's a lot of them just playing music (laughs) in the movie Uh, but there's also a lot of stunts and um the whole endeavor seems like almost like it's some kind of scam, but uh, uh, like I imagine they got money out of investors saying like we're gonna kick off this new trend, stunt rock. Um, uh, what a ridiculous movie! But also, like it's being restored and released because it's a good ridiculous time, and uh, it's it's worth your time. Also worth your time. Here's a you know what? Don't watch Army of the Dead. You want a good way to kill two and a half hours. You watch Tyler Smith's Valley of the Shadow, The Spiritual The Spiritual Value of Horror. Um uh, it's um less uh of it is of like his previous Tyler, that's my co host, he's not here. Uh his previous film, Real Redemption, is about the history of sort of the church and Hollywood and stuff like that. Um and the spiritual value of or value of the Shadow um starts up front addressing the way that many Christians in America, uh maybe other places of the world too, I don't know, um feel the sort of knee jack, knee, knee jack knee jerk uh, uh, reaction against horror as a, as a subgenre or as a genre. Um it addresses that, but uh when Tyler subtitles maybe the spiritual value of horror he's not making or he spends very very little time making the christian argument for horror that's not really what he's 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 doing it is actually about like i think someone who adheres to any number of belief systems could find spiritual value in the way that tyler talks about horror and what uh horror allows us to see about ourselves, to learn about ourselves, to experience, to risk. Um uh and formally the movie is also I think um uh it has a uh, it's more fun I like Real Redemption, but this is more fun in a way. Uh Bill Overst Jr. is the narrator, but he's also kind of the host. I think that's how he's credited the host. Um, and in between sections, there are all these uh, shots of him giving narration while sort of walking around this, like, creepy old estate. Um, and I, I did not expect, because um, he's a horror actor, he's got a good horror type voice. I thought, I knew I was going to watch a documentary about horror movies. I didn't realize I was going to watch a movie that itself feels like a horror movie. Uh, I really, um, really enjoyed value of the shadow the spiritual value of horror um i'm gonna skip that one so um yeah oh home home stretch We only have two left all right uh next i watched a brand new film what country is it from you tell me um well, this is Australia and UK. I don't know what country it actually. Uh, oh, the language is Macedonian, so I guess it's a Macedonian film in that way. Uh, it's called "You Won't Be Alone," directed by Goran Stalevsky. and it's it's up my alley. If uh, if you, you, you listeners you know uh, Scott and I did a whole episode on this uh, how, um, back in twenty twenty. It's a mo- it's a witch movie. It's about witches. <laughs> um, that's so up my alley um it's specifically uh, uh about a um there's a, a witch um called the old old maid maria who takes children and um she uh uh so the movie is more about the child that she, she, she shows up old maid maria shows up as a when when the child is a baby and like claims her, and then when she's grown up, she like turns her into a witch, and these witches can sort of take on the appearance of other people. And so there's uh, in kind of like a Todd Solondz palindromes type of way, there's a bunch of different actors playing this character uh, throughout the the movie. As she sort of like tries to escape from Old Maid Maria, but then tries to live on her own with this curse of having become a witch herself. Um, one of the actors who, uh, there's a lot of, you know, like I said, actors, adult children, male and female who play this character. But, uh, Numir Paz is the, 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 the biggest name, uh, uh, of them. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, definitely not going to be, there's going to be people for whom this is not their cup of tea because it's, uh, quiet and, and and meditative but also occasionally very bloody and gross um uh and um it doesn't have a it, it doesn't have much of a traditional plot it's um just this girl who's been already been raised in a weird way um because of this witch claiming her when she was a baby um now trying to figure out literally figure out her place in the world this could be potentially this could you could call this a coming of age story of her trying on the way that teenagers do trying on these different uh personalities to see which one um suits them uh well you know also growing claws and scratching people's chests open and licking blood out of dead animals and uh yeah it's uh it's very much my kind of movie, I have to say, and I understand that it won't be anyone everyone's um, final film. We'll see how this goes. I'm going to upload that. I think uh, I don't think I've embarrassed myself, listeners. Let me know if I've embarrassed myself. But uh, the final film that I, that I watched this other night is a documentary from 2015, documentary from 2015 called "Everything Is Copy," and this is a documentary about the late Nora Ephron, made uh by two directors nick hooker and uh, yeah nick hooker and then jacob bernstein who is nora efron's son um and i think uh, often i find documentaries are made by or with the approval of or biopics as well you know like king richard i didn't really like um with the approval of the family of the person being whose story is being told i find them to be um uh a, a little bit you know sanded down or or uh watered down. Uh but the the term everything is copy is something that Nora Efron used to say, her mother used to say, that anything that happens to you can be turned into um a story. It can be, you know, you can it becomes yours and you can use it however you want. And I think that uh that That leads to a kind of like self awareness that actually makes that that you see she's clearly passed on to her her son and um the documentary is so uh it's about first off it's about a person a lot of people loved there's a lot of people interviewed in this uh a lot of famous people interviewed in this in this movie I won't spoil all of them um but um clearly a lot of uh people that America loves loved Nora Ephron um but also the movie is not at all uh blind to um some of her uh, uh other like less flattering traits or less friendly you know she um uh wasn't always uh the most supportive or attentive person because she could be very much inside her own uh head, uh, hedge he could be a very judgmental person as as the as the movie talks about and i think uh, uh this is a, a a great movie about a great artist and and writer but it's also a documentary about a mom um to the 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 director um and uh it's i thought it was a really fantastic portrait of uh Nora Ephron.